There's a Super Bowl right now, but, you know, God doesn't care. He's right here paying attention to our little church. Yeah, it's 630, so we're okay. Yeah, we don't have to contend with, with God's attention. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Like, God is, you know, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-seeing. And right now, like, he's looking down. And maybe there's other little groups like us meeting all around the America or the world. And God is giving them their undivided attention. And it is, it is so beautiful. And uh, I'm happy to be in a place where God is. Amen? Hey, just a few things before we get going. We had uh, Pastor Gary and I were at uh, Pastor Don's church this morning. It is a small church in Walkersville. You guys know where Walkersville is? It is so close, yet I felt like I was like in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, so we were there with Pastor Don, and uh, for those that come on Thursday nights, you've met him. Uh, you know, he, uh, Mike and Jillian are a couple of his uh, people from his church, and they join us on Thursday nights. And uh, it just seems like God is kind of building a relationship between our church and their church, and we're excited about that. So the next two weeks, actually, it looks like <laughs> we're preaching there on Sunday mornings because <laughs> he's on vacation, you know. Yeah, I think he's a salesman, actually. Yeah, but anyway, uh, it'll be fun. So those of you that are interested, you could join us there in the mornings, and we'll be here in the afternoons. So we double preaching. Also, just some announcements, things that are important that are coming up. Uh, February 24th, the, um, uh, we're having a worship night coming up. So have you guys heard about this or seen it at all? So February 24th, Doug, uh, Doug, <laughs> Ben and team. Doug's over there. Ben and team, they're, they're going to be doing, um, you know, leading worship for a couple hours. And we're actually meeting at the South Mountain Creamery on Carroll Creek. So we've got the whole entire venue to ourselves for, for three hours. Uh, we're expecting a lot of other churches to come and join us. Uh, I'm pretty sure the place will be completely full. They'll be serving ice cream, pizza, and they have some amazing looking milkshakes. They'll break the bank, but they look delicious. Uh, I don't know how you can drink a milkshake and sing to the Lord, but we're going to try. Uh, so that's coming up. Uh, so we just ask you to come and be a part of that, uh, represent you know, your church that you're a part of. And the effect that our church is having in the community is really, really amazing. We did this last year. We had 80 people at Gravel and Grind Cafe. It was completely packed out. You know, and now we're doing it at Carroll Creek and just going to pack it out again and worship the Lord together. Amen. All right. Uh, yeah. Six. Yeah, I think the idea, right, too, is at the end there's like this kind of, there'll be pastors and leaders available to pray over people. Yeah, and stuff like that, too. So it's going to be a really a fantastic time. Uh, some of the churches, we invited the, the Bowling Springs Church in Pennsylvania. Uh, they might be coming. Invited the uh, Owings Mills Church. They might come. You know, and plus uh, Harvest, some Harvest people are coming. Difference makers are coming. I mean, God's going to really show up and be there. It's going to be awesome. So please be there. We'll make another announcement next week. All right, so I want to introduce Stephen Diamond. So come on up, Stephen. 
How many of you guys love Stephen? So you, you guys know that we're a missionary church, right? We, we support the Plunkets. Uh, they're in Singapore presently, and um, we just believe in missions. We believe in long-term missions. We believe in short-term missions. Uh, in the summer, often a, a portion of people in our church will be missing because they're on a summer, summer mission trip. Uh, right now, we're losing Stephen Diamond to a winter mission trip, so... He can tell you more about it, and he's going to share some thoughts from his heart. So let's give him a warm welcome. Thanks. Yeah, so he said it. I'm going, uh, I'm going to Finland. Uh, yeah, Finland. Three months I'm going to be there, and I got a few people that I know from Bible college that were actually in, in Bible college with me. I lived with him in the dorm for over three years. Um, one of them is actually on that, I don't know if, if you guys ever looked at that board, but on the bottom right, you'll see a picture of Ben Skoo and uh, Mika, his wife, and uh, that's where I'm going. I'm going to hang out with them and just encourage them and help out with the church. God's doing big things there, but I wanted to talk about like what missions is, you know, like it's, what is missions? Do you guys... Have you ever asked yourself that question, like, what is missions? What, why go? Like, why not just do it here? You know, like, and I want to make one point that I learned actually growing up in high school. I went to a Christian high school, and uh, our principal would say this. Um, he told me this. I'll never forget it. He said, um, missions is not just the position of your feet, um, but it's the condition of your heart. So, what is missions? Um, I wanted to talk about uh, a few things. I want to open up the Bible with you guys and read some scripture on it. Um, but let's pray before we do that, right? Heavenly Father, thank you for this Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, but yeah, Lord, we came here to be in your house to have joy, to be filled with you, to hear from your word, to praise you, to worship you, to be increased by you, and maybe to also be tugged for this specific topic. Maybe more of you guys in here have done this before, have done missions, or maybe God could do something new in your heart. But Lord, whatever your will is, for our lives, we are thankful that we're here today, that you brought us here by your grace. Please bless these words. Speak to somebody. In your precious name, amen. amen. So if you guys want to open with me, uh, I think it might be up there, I told Kevin. Uh, Psalms, Psalms chapter 67. If we can read, we... Let's see if it goes up there. Yeah, there we go. Cool. It's not a long psalm, so I'm going to read the whole thing. Um, but this is um, kind of the basis of what I want to say about missions. <clears throat> psalm 67, it's uh, a song, a song as well. Um, but it says, verse 1, God, be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. 
Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. And all the ends of the earth shall fear him. It's a really good uh, psalm, short and sweet. Um, I have a lot to say today, but I want to just lead with that, right? What does it say in verse 2? Can we put that back up there, verse 2? <clears throat> I think this is, what, this is what missions really is, you know, about. That your way may be known on earth, your salf- salvation among all nations. You know how it just doesn't say one nation, right? It's all nations. Um, three points about this song. Number one, maybe you guys can write this down, is God wants his ways to be known on the earth, right? That's missions. Missions is what we do in Frederick as well, by the way. We make his ways known. You know, we go on evangelism. We talk to people on the street. At work, we're talking to someone, uh, you know, in our families, God has mentioned uh, in church his ways, right? But that's point number one. God wants his ways to be known on the earth. His saving power, really. God saves people. He saves souls. Um, so that's the first point. Second point is um, in verse 3. God wants us the na- wants the nations to praise him. Think of that for a second. God wants all nations to praise him. He deeply desires it. Um, he desires that none, none shall perish either. He desires that, desires that all will be saved. And one day, uh, that will happen, by the way. Um, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of him. We will praise him. Um, but that's the second point. God wants the nations to praise him. Third point. Uh, God wants the nations to be glad and sing for joy. That's in the next verse, right? God wants the nations to be glad and sing for joy. He doesn't want us to just live this life, this this life where we just, you know, go to work, we come home, we eat dinner, we, we go to sleep, maybe we read a book, we wake up and we repeat it, you know, we drive to work. Like God doesn't, God wants us, he wants something more. He wants something bigger in our life. He wants something that's like, he wants to expand our borders. Like he wants, I have the people in front of me in my life, but he wants to kind of expand it. Like, he wants you to be like, oh my gosh, you have this person. Like, this person could be in your heart today. Uh, this person over here, uh, you can pray for today. This person that you talk to maybe at work and you, has been on your heart lately, you can pray for him. But all this is life. This is, this is God's life. This is like the life of the Christian, is we have the Holy Spirit that is actually speaking to our hearts about people. And... When we, when we worship God, isn't it amazing? Isn't it like, 
just in God's presence with the, the words. Um, you know, Ben Hart does a great job in leading us there. Um, but uh, the, the words, were the words ministering you, to you today? Were they minister? I mean, they were ministering to me. Like just thinking about like, like that song, uh, I called, you answered. I called, you answered. Isn't that, he did. He did. And we can, we rejoice. We rejoice in that. As Christians in here, we, we come together. But God wants, like number point two was, the whole world to rejoice the same way. He wants it. Um, and he wants us to be glad and sing for joy. He doesn't want us to be sorrowful and in pain and going through trauma and, you know, division and everyone angry and fighting wars and all these things. He wants there to be joy. And this is the, we have a message that God has given us. We, we, I, I know you guys know what I'm talking about. Like, God has done something in your life and he wants you to share that with people. He wants people to know his salvation. He wants people to know who he is. That's eternal life, right? That we will know him. I think that might be John. Let's see, I wrote it down here. I was trying to memorize it. John 17, 3. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. But that's, we have joy in making much of him. That's the joy. That's the Christian life. It's not our own self, you know, like, it's not about us. It's about, it's the joy that we have of making much of him, who he is, who he's created us for, what he's done in our lives, where he's leading us, uh, the little miracle he did at work, like the little prayer that he answered, that's actually a big prayer. Like all these things is, is, is we can have joy making much of him. And you know what? This psalm, You know, God will not be satisfied until that happens. He won't be. And that's missions. He will not, God Almighty, who came as Jesus Christ to seek and to save those that are lost, he desires that none shall perish, every person on earth. He wants to be with them. He wants to call them his child. He wants them to be saved from their sin. He wants them to be transported from the the kingdom of darkness, to the kingdom of his dear son. He wants these things and he will never be satisfied until, these, until that day comes. Um, so that's the heart. That's the heart of missions. Um, the love of the nations. The love for each other. The love for the soul. Oh, what value a soul has to God. Um, you know, this is also, I, I, I don't want to go too, too long. Uh, Dennis did give me some time, but I, I don't want to go too long. But I also want to, there's a lot to say about this topic, and I want God to lead me to what he wants to say to you guys. Um, God has given us a new heart, right? The new birth. God has given us a new, completely new life from our old life. Old things have passed away. All things, behold, all things have become new. And, you know, this is the new heart. And in the new heart, we desire the things I'm talking about. It's, it's, we desire to know God. 
um, to glorify him in everything we do, uh, to not lie, to not cheat, to, to love our neighbor that is annoying, you know, that doesn't cut their lawn, en- lawn, their lawn enough. We love them. We desire to love them. Sometimes we don't do such a good job of doing it, but we desire to do it. And you know what's interesting? The moment when we were saved, maybe you guys have a God moment. You guys have a God moment? Like a, a, there was a moment where you were like, ah, oh, that's God. Like you can't, like you think, maybe you're thinking better right now. Like there's a moment where you found God and you know it's him and you know that that was love. First of all, that was love that came into your heart. And uh, when God does fill us with that love, it's there that we find something that's worth fighting for. It's there we find something that's like, oh, this is more, this is greater, this is higher, this is bigger than anything that I've previously known. This is God. And when that happens, When that happens, it completely shatter, shatters our life, you know? And what we wanted. Like God, can, God could, could have said to you, he can say to you, like, you are my child. I have given you a gift. Look and see what my desires are. Share my life, and I will surely bless it. I'm going to bless your life. Share it. And, uh, yeah, Jesus, I want to, I want to talk more about Jesus. Uh, Jesus, Jesus in John, that's, can we turn there? I, I gave, uh, can we go to John chapter 18? John chapter 18. Why, why do we go? Why, why, do, why do what we're doing here? Why go out on outreach? Why evangelize? Why tell people about God? You, know, you want to know why? John 18. Uh, 18, <clears throat> we're going to talk about verse 33 to 38. It's about, uh, you know, this is, a, this is when Jesus was brought forth to Pilate right before he was crucified. He was brought, I don't know if you guys have seen the Passion of the Christ, but if you have, you maybe remember that. But I'll, yeah, it's right here. But Jesus was brought to Pilate. You know, Pilate didn't really have, he didn't really know what truth was. He didn't really know, like, why are they doing this to you? Why are your own people treating you this way? Why are you, you know, are you really who you say you are? And um, uh, we'll start, you know, verse 33. It says, Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? 
It's Jesus. He's, uh, I love how he, how he talks to Pilate. Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did, you, did others tell you th- this concerning me? Pilate answered, I am a Jew, or am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. You know, Jesus isn't going to, you know, he's not going to argue with Pilate. He's not going to defend himself because actually this is, him being where he's at in this moment is exactly where God wanted him. It's, It's exactly, and he knew it. Of course he did. He knew that I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to go to the cross. And if it was, if, if it was any different, my, my, you know, my followers would fight for me, but I don't want them to because this is what I, was, I came for. I came to die and save people. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And then Pilate said, What is truth? When he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. So why do we go? Well, we have a king. We have Jesus. We have the kingdom of God that's on the earth that's actually living inside of us that came from God, that came from heaven through Jesus, we are living in in his kingdom. And that right there is our king. He came to die. And, uh, oh boy, you know, it's... Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Many of you guys know this verse. In, In this church, we definitely hold it as... Uh, it's the Great Commission, right? Verse 19 of Matthew 28 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So that, God is with you. Like missions is exciting because it's a mystery. We don't know Really, when God calls us to something like this, it's like we don't really know what is going to happen. It's kind of like we kind of we need to live by faith. Uh, but when we when we obey God and we go, uh, we actually sometimes can define we can find that we have a divine purpose on our life that's bigger than just what's in front of us. Like we can actually, it's not until we say yes to God's go that we find a divine purpose. And sometimes when we go on the missions field, like, you know, the Plunkets are in Singapore. Sometimes when we go, it's, it's, a, it's for a specific divine purpose, very specific. It could be because of something that God wants to do in your heart. Like I said, he could show you something. He could show you a big calling. He could show you something that could change your life. I think people can be afraid of that. Um, you know, some people could say, you know, I could never do that. My life circumstances are not right for it. 
I could have gone in, in the past, but now, now I can't. It's too late. It's not true. It's not true. My past does not affect my present and my future in Christ. It does not. It's like we, we know we, every day is, is a new day with God, and we get to live by faith with him. So admissions is never, I, I mean, it's never off the table. It's never something that's, you can't do. You can't go somewhere and continue the work. Um, sometimes when God calls you, it's, it's to me a specific person in a, in a divine encounter. Many, it happened many times in the Bible. Um, Acts, Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and told him to go. Philip would find an Ethiopian eunuch reading. This is so cool. Reading Isaiah 53, 7 and 8. Philip leads him to the Lord and baptizes him on the spot. So there was, you know, Philip's just going. He's listening to God. And as he goes, he looks and there's an Ethiopian eunuch. He's reading Isaiah 53. I mean, that's about Jesus. It's, he, you know, and he's reading it and he's like, I don't get it. I, I want to know, you know, I think, yeah. he's like, I don't understand these things. I'm just reading it, but I, 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 there's something about this. And as he's reading it, all of, out of nowhere, Philip comes by. And he's just like, what are you reading? And the eunuch's like, I don't know. I don't know. I need, I need a teacher. I need a teacher. And uh, Philip preaches, preaches that that's Jesus. That's Jesus that you're, who, who, what it's talking about is Jesus. And he preaches Jesus to him, and the guy gets saved on the spot. And then, uh, and then he gets baptized. They pull over the little chariot, and they get in the river, and Philip baptizes him, and, and that's it. But it's like he, that wouldn't have happened. He wouldn't have met him if he didn't obey God and go. Another example would be Paul and Timothy and Silas. They, uh, they meet someone in Acts 16, 14, and 15. Uh, they meet Lydia, a worshiper of God. She's by the water. She's a seller of purple. She's from, from the city of Thyatira. And she's, she's, yeah, she sells purple. And she's just there. She's just, she's just like there by the river, and she's just praying. And then, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit told you know, Paul, Timothy, and Silas, you know, you're going to go here. You're going to go there. There was like an unction of, of God to tell them to go here. And that's another thing about missions is like God can do that. God, like when we obey God and we go, the whole, something like that can happen where God could just have us go to a different country, completely different part of the world just to talk to one person. But it's fun. It's worth it. Um, and the last thing I want to end with is uh, when we are sent from God, when, when God calls us to missions uh, in this church, you know, we come here, every person that has been called of God is equipped and God has given them power. I mean, that's Acts 1.8. You will receive power from the Holy Spirit who has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You know? 
We have power, we have, God has given us power to go anywhere with Him. And this is not power to exalt ourselves, but the Spirit gives us power to spread the gospel. It's Him. It's not us. We don't, we're, not, we're not able. We're not able in ourselves, especially in our natural man. We need the power of God to take over our lives. Oh God, fill us, fill me so I can give you to others. Fill me so I can give you to others. You know, the power to love, the power to share, you know, boldness to preach, the power to heal, the power to be that person that someone comes to. I know that's happened to you guys. The person that, you maybe you're that person that you have people coming to you. You know, people coming to you asking you, and they need help, but you're that person for them. You know, the power and authority to be that person, the power to be quiet, the power to be, you know, to minister Christ's life in the church, the power to forgive, that's a big one, power to forget, power to hate evil, power to walk away from sin. This is all given from God. It is He who does the work. It is He who changed your life. It is He who fills you with love. It is He who shed His blood if it, it, if it is he who loves the poor, it is he who raises the dead, it is he who says, arise, my love, you are no longer a slave to sin. Missions is fun. Missions is life. We find God when we go. When we are ministering, zeal is developed. It's something that when we, you know, we're in the church and, you know, we're, we're talking to people and we get the new, no, new like, no new people and, you know, new person here, new person there, and it's like, when we listen to God and we minister Christ to people, we develop this zeal and we love it. We love to do it. We love to enjoy, you know, giving, giving Christ to people. And it's all Him. And we would, we would never do it beyond ourselves if it wasn't for the power of God. We would never do it. But I think, yeah. So... I think that's it, yeah, amen, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for that word, Lord. Stir it up, <clears throat> stir it up in our heart. You know, you know, it's missions is God's heart, and we're on, we're on the mission field right now. I'm not saying that you have to go out and, you know, go to Africa, but it would be amazing if you did. And, yeah, bless the remaining of this service. Bless uh, Dennis's message in your precious name, Lord. Amen. 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 Wasn't that good? So it's not, uh, what do you say, the position of your feet, but the condition of your heart? Okay. So our heart can be in a good place here in Frederick, too, right? So he's, you know, going to Finland, uh, and we're not. <laughs> so what does that mean? It means the condition of our heart has to be the same. Intro to missions class, they always taught us also something very similar. Like, if you're not doing it here, how are you going to do it there? So if you want to be a missionary there, you should try being one here. <laughs> And maybe that means uh, you just minister to those that are in your workplace because you're so busy you can't go on evangelism or knock on your neighbor's door. 
but then maybe you can knock on your neighbor's door and give them some cookies. Right, Ryan? <laughs> hey, let's stand up real quick, uh, change position. Uh, say something about missions to your neighbor. If Okay, let's uh, remain standing. Maybe just shout something out about missions. Anybody? Shout it out. It's not a library. <laughs> huh? Go, okay. Go to Canada, right, Ben? <laughs> you were in Canada, right? Pastor Gary, where were you? Peru? That's awesome. Anybody else? Costa Rica, amazing. Croatia, Ukraine. I mean, even short term counts, you know? Amazing. Where could we go next? Maybe we could go to Finland. I, go to Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, praise the Lord. Hey, we could go, we could go places and uh, God could do things with you that you can never imagine. I mean, I'm from this little town in Maine. People in Maine, you know, there's this bridge that goes from Maine to New Hampshire, and nobody ever crosses that bridge. You know, it's like, you know, Mainers don't ever cross that bridge. It's, bridge is too, too far south, you know. But my, my parents, at, when I was 12 years old, says, you're going on a missions trip. They sent me over the bridge to Massachusetts, and with a bunch of other, you know, kids, we went to Ireland. You know, and some crazy stuff happened there, actually. But we survived, you know, and got a taste from missions. And oftentimes, uh, we don't change the world, but God changes our heart. You know, and the person that I am today is because of what happened in my life with God. We can all say that, right? It's not like me, it's us. And... Uh, yeah, I, I love it. So let's open our Bibles as we stand to Colossians chapter 2. I'll be short. We already heard a good message. Verses 16 through 17. So, so let no one judge you in food. Amen. <laughs> Sorry. In drink or regard to festival or new moon or Sabbaths. 
which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. So Heavenly Father, we ask that you'll continue to be with us, continue to bless us with your word, uh, prick our hearts if it wasn't pricked already through the worship or pricked through missions, prick it now through these passages. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, we live in a, in a world today that's very judgmental, don't we? Uh, at the height of cancel culture, if, you know, someone always finds a reason to get canceled on the media for something silly they said or, you know, or did. And usually what they do is they backtrack on their statements so that way they can sell more records or more football tickets. But as believers, we don't live in such a world where we're able to backtrack on our statements. We don't live in a world where we can afford to cancel everyone that's around us. Yet, it is our human nature to judge people for how they look or what they do. We see somebody and what they're wearing and what car they're driving and we think that they're okay. That there's no, condi- there's no problems in their hearts. Or we look at someone who is without and we say, well, they are in need. When actually maybe they are very free. I have met with so much joy, you know, on the mission, on a mission trip, right, in the streets of Brazil with all these kids, they had so much joy in their life. No money, no food, but they're just playing soccer and have joy in their life. But we can make these quick judgments here for different reasons. And the Apostle Paul is saying that, and he's, you know, and again, you have to understand the past few messages. If you don't remember them, you can listen to them again. But Paul is really dealing with this another gospel coming in through these other teachers because Paul did not actually evangelize Colossae. He did not go there and start the church. It was an outpouring of his ministry in Ephesus, which was another city close by. And from that church and that church growth and that outpouring of the ministry of God, you know, another man went to Colossae and started this church. But here is Paul. He is writing a letter to this church And he is warning them because there is this teaching that is saying that you have to add something to your salvation to prove your worthiness or your righteousness. We talked about this last week that in Corinth, Paul was dealing with, well, there's so much sin in your life, so therefore you have to become holy and then you'll be okay. So what are you doing with your life, right? Or what kind of sin is in your life and then you're judged? But Paul here is dealing with another kind of teaching. We're saying where, okay, you say that you're saved, but you have to add the Jewish festivals in your life to really be a believer. And I love what Paul says. He says, let no one judge you. Let no one judge you. That's an amazing passage right there. Let no one judge you. And then verse 18 at the very end, the only way that we can be judged is by the substance of, in our life, which is Christ. It's amazing. It's really amazing. You know, I was reading just before, you know, getting up here in the Bible, in in John chapter 5, 22 and 23, Jesus says that even the Father does not judge. He has given that to me to make all judgments. And here it is that there is a group of men looking at a church and saying, hey, 
You're not celebrating, you know, yesterday was Chinese New Year. You're not celebrating this holiday or that holiday. You're not celebrating these holidays. Therefore, you're not saved. Therefore, you have less value. Therefore, you're not righteous. Therefore, you will not be in heaven. Like, they were saying these kind of things. They were adding these works to the, the, the gospel of grace and saying you must do these things to actually experience Christianity. And Paul says, no, don't let anyone judge you except for the substance in your life, which is of Christ. Now this passage here, this word judge, is an amazing word because it's not actually a very heavy word. Actually, there's two, actually there's a lot of Greek words. I believe there's 16 words in the Bible in the Greek for the word judge. There's two very popular ones. One is krino, and the other one is katakrino. Katakrino is a very heavy, heavy, uh, you know, a heavy verb where it is saying like, okay, I judge you, meaning I condemn you. You're condemned. You're condemned. Paul is not using that word here. He's using a softer word. He's using the word krino. And I want to describe what this word means to you because in and of itself, this word krino is actually not bad. Kenneth Weiss, he's a, a, a Greek scholar, says this. This word krino, it means to separate. All right, I, I imagine, sorry, uh, you know, I have a, a nine-year-old, so bear with me here. I imagine a box of Legos, okay? I imagine you're separating them. Next, he says that you distinguish them. You pick them out. You make an opinion, and then you judge. That's what this word krino means. You separate, you distinguish, you pick out, you make an opinion, and then you judge. This in of itself is actually not bad because the word krino is being used that we should be able to distinguish or to judge what is good and evil, right? Is this good or is this evil? I mean, you ever sit down and eat a slice of pizza and say, hey, is this healthy or is this unhealthy? You start, you know, no, you know it's unhealthy. Why? Because you already understand. You've already made a judgment. And the amazing thing about this word is that it can happen very quickly, within a second. Because this is a part of our daily life where we are picking apart something to make a judgment call. And sometimes things become very difficult for us to distinguish. Is this good or evil? Right? So we spend a lot more time separating, distinguishing, and picking and then we come to a conclusion saying, this is good, and this is evil. To illustrate this, again, we're not going to be long here, and maybe in 10 minutes or something. Luke chapter 18, and I want to read this story because we see Crino, we see this word judgment in action. And I want you to look at this passage like you've never heard it before, because maybe you haven't, which would be awesome, but if you have... Don't be familiar with this passage. Luke 18, verse 9, and we're going to read to verse 12. It says, Also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves. <laughs> the NIV, I believe, says that we're self-righteous, is what the NIV says. That they were righteous and despised others. Verse 10, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one of them a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, 
extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of all that I possess. Now, to stop reading right there, that is an amazing passage, because if we look at what the Pharisee says, is he not right? (laughs) I mean... You know, Kenneth Weiss continues to expound upon this, that when this process of Crino is happening, it is being done, you know, compared to against the Word of God. Like, the Word of God is my standard. And the Pharisee, what is he doing? That he is looking at the Word of God as his standard. And if you look at the Word of God, what does it say? I mean, we could turn to the New Testament today and look at Galatians chapter 5, Colossians chapter 3, and see something very similar, that extortioners, unjust, adulterers, you know, all these things, lying, murder, all these things, what are they? The Bible says they are evil. So here is the Pharisee, in one way he's doing something very biblical because he is taking this judgment, he's taking Creno and comparing it to the Word of God, and he's coming up with a solution. So is he wrong or is he right? It's an interesting question to ask. He makes a very quick judgment call, not only of himself, I mean listen to what he says. You know, verse 9 opens up like they trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And because of their own righteousness, what did it cause? It caused them to despise others. Oh, there's a little bit of a difference there, huh? Like when I am parsing through good and evil, I am separating, I am distinguishing, I am pulling things out, and then I make a judgment call. Does it cause me to despise But look what he says about himself. He says, ah, thank God I'm not like these guys. You know, looking out the window, seeing on all the unholy people. Look at all those unholy people. Thank God I'm not like them. Thank God. But also look at me. Look at what I do. Two things the Pharisee is doing. He is pointing his finger at others and judging them. And then he's pointing his finger back at himself and saying, look at why I am so righteous. It is so amazing. And if you look at that progression that Kenneth Wee says about Crino, you see that happening there, don't you? The Pharisee is separating. Like, wow, look at, okay, adultery, extortion, lies, murder. Okay, those things are bad. I am distinguished, oh, that is bad. Now here I am. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a murderer. I don't steal. I don't lie. Not much. You know, I don't, you know, okay, I'm distinguishing, and now I'm making an opinion, a judgment call. Here I am. I'm righteous. I am good. Thank you, God, that I am good. Thank you, God, that I am good. I mean, you can read it even in the book of Psalms when David cries out to God. He says, judge me according to my works. It's a dangerous prayer, by the way. Because he does say that he has walked in the ways of the Lord. In one way, he has. But in reality, in another way, he hasn't. And Psalm 51 says, thank God that we are not judged according to our iniquities. Because if we were, then who would stand? 
You know, so you see this duality of, of King David in his heart. Like, in one way, he is obeying the word of God, and he is holding it up in truth and in justice. And he says, Lord, judge me on the basis of my walk with you. That is the difference that King David is saying. Meaning in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, that the substance is of Christ in my heart. So judge me according to that, not according to my enemies. Because how are they judging me? My enemies are actually judging me, and this is King David. My enemies are judging me based on my actions, my sins. But we see the Pharisee doing that here, that he judges himself and he judges others. And we see and we look at our own lives, it is very easy for us to see this in our own story, that we can assess and we can judge and oftentimes we would say that judgment is correct but let's finish the parable in verses 13 through 14 it says the tax collector standing afar off would not as much as raise his eyes to heaven but he beat his you know his his breast saying god be merciful to me a sinner I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You know, this is interesting because we're seeing this word judgment, crino, in action. And the Pharisee, we could say, is using this word correctly. But also, is the tax collector also not using the same word? Is he not also judging? But he is judging himself. He is looking at the contents of his own hearts. And what does he see? He sees something that scares him. It scares him so much that he refuses to look up to heaven. He refuses to turn his eyes to his Father, the Holy One. Because what does it do? He, he is guilty. He is sinful. He is ashamed. And he just says, please, be merciful to me. Be merciful. He comes to the Father and he says, give me mercy. Give me mercy. Give me mercy. Now, is that not also a correct assessment of who the tax collector is? It is. And actually, in many ways, it is a more correct assessment of who he is versus who the Pharisee is. And we have to be so careful in our lives that we become so polished in our Christianity, that we read our Bible so well, that we are so good, that we begin to lift our eyes to heaven and shake our fists at others who are lesser than us because they don't do what we do, because they should know better. And here's the amazing thing, that as you follow this word in the Greek, krino, I mean, you follow it, you follow it in the Bible, and do you know what it always leads to? Almost always it leads to katakrino, that you despise somebody else. It always leads to despising somebody else. I was, I was actually reading it, I forget, it was Romans 3, 5, or or somewhere, but that is that that catacrino and crino are both being used in the same passage because it is a progression in our in our lives. 
Where without the substance of God, we are so busy and parsing and picking other people apart and making a judgment call. And, you know, we've been talking about this, and we're going to talk about it here in a few weeks, about the body of Christ. On Thursday nights, we're talking about the body of Christ. And we had an amazing message here on Thursday night about the body of Christ. And we need to start having these kind of messages on Sundays, too. You know, and we're going to get there in Colossians, you know, too, because it talks about the body of Christ. It talks about Christ being the head and how some people have no part of the head. Why? Because, because there is no substance of Christ in their life. See, when I have the substance of Christ in my life, I can look at somebody who is so different than me in the church and the Bible says in, you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that those people might be weak. You know, look around the room. Anybody here weak body members? Yeah, it's me. No, it's not me. It's you. It's you. You're a weak body member. Yeah. Hey, nobody would see, miss me if I'm gone. Right? Those kind of feelings, those kind of, that kind of saying, those kind of th- thoughts. Nobody will miss me. Why? Because I don't go on outreach. I don't pray at church. I don't hang out long after church for the, the fellowship. I don't come early. I don't call anybody. Nobody calls me. I mean, these kind of thoughts, they happen in our lives, don't, don't we? That is a definition of weakness. Maybe you're one of those people. Maybe I haven't called you. Forgive me for number, number one. You know. But let me tell you this. 1 Corinthians 12 says this. It says that you are necessary. You are necessary. I mean, I, why? Because there is a, the substance of Christ is inside of you. And when you are looked at through other people in the church, you should be judged according to that substance that is in your hearts, not on your actions, not on how much you tithe, not on how many times you fast, not on how well you dress on Sunday, not on how many people you bring to church. None of that matters. What matters is who is in your hearts. That's what matters. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He says, no man can judge you because Christ is the only one who can judge. It is only Christ. Why is He the only one who can judge you? Because He is master over all. He has authority over all. Why is he the only one who can judge? Because he's the only one who is perfect. He's the only one who can judge your hearts. He's the only one who really knows your motivation. Why is he the only one who can judge? So how dare you allow any other man to judge you? That's what Paul is saying. Don't let any other man judge you according to these things because it is only Christ. It is only Christ. And we ourselves, we need to get it over our own judgment of ourselves. We need to stop saying things on how little we are and how worthless we are and how insignificant we are. We need to stop saying things like how ineffective we are. Or if we were better, you know, this or this or this would happen. I have heard those statements. I have said those statements to myself. I have heard those statements about our church that if we were a better church or more polished or better this or better that, then we would grow or we would be bigger. What if it's not God's call for us? What if it's just simply for us to have the substance of Christ in our hearts? Would that not be enough? In a little brick building this morning, no announcements, no offering, no music, 
But the word of God was preached this morning, at, you know, at Pastor Don's church. And I thank you for a man who will stand in the gap when everybody else says no. This person is not worth it because they are too weak. This person's too weak. This person's too weak. I want a church of 100 people, so if I can't have it, I'm not going to preach. Thank God for a man like Pastor John who says there's 15 people here and there's the substance of Christ in their heart. And I don't have much, but I'm going to love them. I'm going to give to them what I have. I'm not going to judge And let that be the same thing in our own lives. Each of you here are so valuable. I can say that. Why? Because I look at you and I see your heart and I see Christ there. Are there personality conflicts? Maybe. Are there differences in music or leadership styles? Maybe. But there's something in your heart that is bigger than all that. That is Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus Christ had Peter and Matthew in the same room. I mean... Could you talk about two different people? The sons of thunder wanted to like destroy a whole city for some foolish reason. You know, and there's a little doubting Thomas like, well, Jesus, are you sure? You know, that is so stinking passive, yet he goes to India and becomes a martyr. I mean, are you kidding me? Jesus had these kind of men in, in, the, in his corner. Why? Yeah, because I had nothing to do with this. <laughs> It had nothing to do with this. It had everything to do with what is inside of the heart. And that is Christ. The moment you take your eyes off that and you begin to judge, you begin to crino, guess what's coming up next? Despising somebody in the body that Christ has loved and died for. Be very, very careful. Be very careful. There is a place... We are told to judge, but oftentimes it is to judge the spirits, not to judge others. There are times as pastors that we have to make hard decisions to protect the flock because there could be a sheep that is wearing wolf's clothing or maybe a wolf wearing sheep's clothing. There are hard decisions, and we ask for your prayers, you know. But if I live my life judging every single person, I will be alone. I will be alone like that Pharisee was. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. We ask that you will be with us, that you will bless us, bless our fellowship, our worship, and that you will be with us, Lord. We want you to be with us in our hearts, in our feet as we walk as we worship, as we go to bed and we lay down tonight so we could just have a smile on our face thinking about the presence of the Lord. We just thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. At the end of worship, uh, we're starting to